And now, fast forward 12 years or whatever it is, oh my gosh, 15 years, <laughs> um, that's now our biggest strength and I certainly would not want to be the other way around. So I'm very lucky yeah. for doing it the hard way. But again, as we always say at Sussex, we do it the right way. Yeah. And that's an ethos that runs really deep within the business. Hi, I'm Beth Beesky, the founder of More Time to Design and your host of the Design Dialogues podcast. I've been a designer for the last 12 years and I've run my own studio for five. And I know how hard it is to run a successful business. You not only need to be great at designing, but you need to be great at all the other things as well. I created More Time to Design, a software platform to help designers run efficient studios, and I've created the Design Dialogue podcast to help us all learn together. Each week, we will meet professionals who are at the top of their game doing things that help us run our studios. We'll have conversations with social media managers, interior design mentors, copywriters, stylists, photographers, suppliers, and also designers who have been in the game for a long time and who have such a wealth of knowledge to share. I hope that each week you feel inspired and informed at the end of each of our design dialogues. So join me for the Design Dialogue podcast. Welcome to episode 16 of the Design Dialogues podcast. This week, I am talking with Vanessa Katznavakis from Sussex Taps. Before we get to the dialogue, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what is happening at More Time to Design. We have just released some new features, some more advanced scheduling tools, increased capability with our supplier lists, more connectivity across the platform, and also we have updated our whiteboard tickets. We are in the last three months of 2023 and now is the time to make sure your systems and processes are in place and your business is running as well as it can be. Why don't you make 2024 the year you go from a flustered interior designer not really sure what's happening in her business to one who is organized and has more time in their day for the things they love to do? I would love to show you how more time to design can help you build a better business. And the best way to see how it will do that is to book in a demonstration. We go through all of the features of the platform and how it can help your business. I will pop the link in the show notes where you can book in a demonstration. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, I would love for you to leave a review. Reviews are one of the best ways for people to find the podcast. If you are unsure of how to leave a review, I will put in the show notes some simple instructions to follow. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. This week on the podcast, we are meeting Vanessa Katznavakis from Sussex Taps. It is such an interesting conversation that has so many things we can take into our businesses, especially around building strong brand principles and how they allow us freedom in decision making. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Design Dialogues podcast. This week, I am joined by Vanessa Katznavakis from Sussex Taps. Hi, Vanessa. Hello, beautiful Beth. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I love to start all of my dialogues with finding out what can you see out your window today? Okay, so today I'm in the office, so if there's any background noise, that'll that'll be why, but um, I can see um, my team and the, 
you know, the sun shining, the trees blowing out the front. We've actually got some olive trees growing that, that were here pre-existing before we bought the building. And um, every year we get to do a little bit of a extra virgin olive oil cold press. We get oh, like awesome a liter or two, but it's always <laughs> a bit of a perk. Um, yeah, so we love that. And, you know, and lavender, I've planted lavender and rosemary because I love bees buzzing around. So that's what a I little A little Mediterranean um, snippet there. Influence, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so for those who aren't aware, Sussex Taps is... Oh, such beautiful, beautiful tapware. Um, but I am quite fascinated by the brand and the business that you have continued on from your father. I would love to know about the company he started and I suppose the evolution of Sussex and the brand. Mm, yeah. Um, well, dad was from the Netherlands. So his name was Nicholas Van Putten and he came by ship when he was 18. Um, he just wanted to leave the Netherlands and he'd heard great things about Australia. And um, But before he could leave, his parents said, you have to at least have some type of certificate. So he went to work with his uncle and um, and became a certified in watchmaking through his uncle's yeah. business. Um, so he was probably 19, not 18. But um, so as soon as he had completed that, he hopped on the ship and um, came out to Australia. And then from there, he tried various things. He was just so determined to make it in business um, and he was very technically minded. So what he loved was making things, you know, the way the Northern Europeans make them to the utmost, most beautiful quality, um, always coming first. So he had a few businesses along the way. He actually also had an earring business, um, sleeper earrings back in the 80s. That's sort of what you would get when you got your ears pierced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it studs, but um, he had a great business there, exported it worldwide, ended up selling it. But um, while that was happening, he stumbled across Sussex as his next venture. And how it began was he just started creating some components for Coroma Dorf yeah. um, because he had the machinery and the capacity and um, before long, he said, no, I'm not going to be the middleman. I'm going to do this for myself. So, um, yeah, he went from a, a brand new business to, a, you know, a couple of million sales within a year. Yeah, so wow. there was just that opportunity there. And uh, he took it. And, you know, sometimes life takes us down these journeys. And then and then now I, I have um, I get to run Sussex. It's um, since yeah. dad passed away 12 years ago. He was very um um yeah he he felt that he was happy to to leave it, it, it um to myself and my husband yeah so um that's been our journey to this point wow okay so I have so many questions that have just come up from that so your dad obviously was very like he's obviously a very technically minded person but he obviously had an amazing business acumen as well like he obviously he grew and sold several businesses he had an ability to see where there was a an opportunity and he would have grown up in a time and been in business in a time when you know maybe sales and marketing like there wasn't courses like you can do now and all of that kind of stuff how much did you learn from him about those kind of things from just being around him like he must have been such a wealth of knowledge around things that he most probably didn't have any formal qualifications in, but obviously had like an intrinsic understanding of how it works. Oh, Beth, yeah, you've just kind of given me goosebumps because oh. you've understood it so well. <laughs> 
Um, but he, he was actually considered silly in school or he felt that, you know, he, he was a poor student and yeah. he was sort of told that he would not amount to anything. And 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 thank you for the compliment about the business acumen, but it's almost his passion and perseverance to never give up, to yeah. never because he only really made it when he was almost 50 um, or, you know, in his 40s actually yeah. with the, through the earring business, but he never gave up, just passion, determination and never wavering on those those core values that you have. Yeah. I think that's the only way to, to really get there in the end. Yeah. And and for me, so my dad didn't even believe in marketing. <laughs> he would be like, what is this marketing? If you make a good product, it will sell itself. Um, <laughs> so I think we didn't even have a website for half of the lifespan of the business. But, um, that's where I was able to add my um, input because I'm not a manufacturer at heart. I'm not at all technical, but yeah. That's where I was able to say, Dad, you know, things are changing. We really do need a website. <laughs> and um, so I feel like I've been able to, you know, I love the arts and and fashion and um, and and looking outside of, you know, uh, you know, manufacturing a product outside yeah. of our industry as such. I, I love looking outside for inspiration. So um, that's where I've been able to bring the brand to life and to yeah. really celebrate the richness that was in that brand that we have been hiding behind the product for so long yeah 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 oh that's awesome gosh he must have just been such a fountain of knowledge um really kind of awesome to have that legacy flow through into the brand and to the business so oh, awesome um so and this really, I mean, this is so clear now. Like if anyone who has looked through the Sussex website will know that you have an amazing sense of brand, like brand purpose and where you're going and what you stand for and the values of the brand and the business. How did you go about forming that? So one of the ones that I'd love to kind of, I suppose, touch on the most is the decision to manufacture in Australia. So how... Um, obviously there must be so much that goes into that, you know, that we are constantly hearing about how manufacturing in Australia just doesn't exist anymore. It's so expensive and all of that kind of stuff. How do you as a business, is it just so much of your core value that you would never not manufacture in Australia? Or is it that, like, how does that work in your company? Yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's just, um, it would just not be an option for us to go offshore. Yeah. And I can give you an example back in during the GFC, so 2008, 09, um, there were so many tapware companies mm. that were made here. Yeah. Like, it was fantastic. And at that point, there was that pivotal point where you, there was no value in being Australian made. It just wasn't perceived by the market as important. Yeah. Things were getting pumped out of, you know, overseas and um, and a, a lot of companies, unfortunately, did go offshore. There are still yep. a couple here that are doing great, one in Victoria, which um, we're all about supporting um, manufacturing. So yep. and one in Adelaide that we know of that are doing things locally. Um, but my dad said, you know, we weren't doing great at that time. It was, it was you know, we really had to assess what were we going to do because it was mm. a couple quite some hard times and um, living off off the fat, so to speak. And um, 
dad said no if we can't make it here it's we, we you know it's just not going to happen anywhere else so it was a do or die and you know again when you're under that situation you will find a way you can yeah. try a hundred times you can fail 99 but that one time will get you through and you will find a way and um just staying true to our values again it, it does fall back on that that's that's um and now fast forward 12 years or whatever it is oh my gosh 15 years um <laughs> that's now our biggest strength and I certainly would not want to be the other way around so I'm very yeah. lucky for doing it the hard way but again as we always say at Sussex we do it the right way yeah um, and that's an ethos that runs really deep within the business yeah and I I love that because when you have that you know that thinking and as you said it runs deep through the business it actually makes decisions that might be hard actually really simple because it's like it's just so clear the path that you're on that everything else kind of doesn't matter that's awesome and um, and how did, like how in other ways do you see that permeate through the business like those really strong fundamental ethoses that you have through the company so I know another one is your like the environmental um and like uh, that side of the business as well which in manufacturing is quite you know it's it's a big topic kind of thing um so how do you find how do you kind of navigate other things in the business and um when it comes to those strong ethos yes yeah I love that that point Beth um it does come through sustainability as well and which I'll explain in a minute but also you've just prompted me to think that um we're not about fast fashion either for example we don't yeah. um, produce a new collection every nine months yeah. but what we do do is the collections that have been out for 10 or 20 years we are continuously refining them to make them the best possible version of themselves so yeah. so you've got that's another part of our ethos of just making it timeless yeah. um, making it functional and making it beautiful and making it to last yeah. um, so that all ties in as well as um, sustainability and when I think about sustainability for our business I think about sustainability as the whole picture how am yeah. I going to have a sustainable business in 20 years time yeah. um, so so it's um it's a holistic view and it's such a buzzword and I almost don't like the word sustainability that's why on our website we've called it um responsibility yeah what we're responsible for we're responsible for for keeping it local we're responsible for um producing the best possible product uh we're responsible for our staff we're responsible for our environmental impact mm -hmm. so what what we've been doing for many years vertical integration and what that means is everything that we can possibly do in-house we do in-house yeah and what that allows us is to, to keep track on on rejects and pull things in quickly without having to send things to the bin we recycle all our waste product we are able to do things in-house like upgrade our energy and our our um, machinery and, and um, put solar panels across all our all our roofs um, across the four sites that we have mm -hmm. and um, we're continuously monitoring what can we do better how yeah. can we keep being responsible um, because I want to be in business for many many years and um, and by doing it yeah by by giving everything that I can today yeah and there's always more to learn and and I'm early in my journey. I still feel like I'm maybe a teenager in business. <laughs> I've been I've been in the business since I was 18. I'm 40 now. So, you know, 
solid 20 odd years, but um, <laughs> I'm still very much learning and almost a coming of age, you know, for myself as well in business and working out how can I add value? What sort of impact do I want to leave? And, and um, okay. what's my legacy going to be now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've probably totally gone off the topic. No, but- no not at all. No, it was great. Because um, I, it actually kind of loops back into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about because, so I think your website is really amazing for a tapware company. Like, you know, it's totally different and it is very clear that you, like these, these brand ethos that you have, they're not just something that kind of sits to the side. Like it is very clear that they run deep through the business. How did you go through and, And I suppose the reason why I'm interested in this is because I think when you really understand a brand, that's when that beautiful connection between brand and music, like that, when when it's, that's when it happens. How did you go about working out how to tell that story and how to make it clear that these key things are not just kind of things off to the side that we sometimes mention when we think it might help? but they are actually kind of like the foundation stones that our business are built on. How did you go through that process? Mm. Sometimes we can take things for granted mm. about, about ourselves or things that we've been doing for years that we just take a second nature, but somebody else would say, wow, that's actually amazing. Yeah, uh, I was doing a tour on Friday and uh, the other day and I skipped over a couple of things and, and someone from my team said, oh, we also do this and, you know, I was explaining that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I take that. For, I, I don't even explain yeah. that. It turned out to be one of the most interesting things. Yeah. So it's about, um, so for me, how I achieved that was I work, I always like to work with the best. <laughs> but um, I did get in a specialist that was able to come in and from an outside point of view, see all those special little golden nuggets and then boil yeah. it down to a couple of key messages because we don't we're trying not to overcomplicate things. Um and then you know if you can refine it down to the one line like for us it's just making it right and everything revolves around that. Um so it was about yeah getting that ex that outside point of view to really refine it. And, yeah. uh, and then we can delve into that on in as a subtopic. But um I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how we went about it, Beth. Yeah. And so I suppose getting really clear on, like, I really love that kind of idea of having someone external come in and almost reflect a mirror back up to you to kind of help you see the bits that you do take for granted. I think that's really helpful because I think so often when you're working in your own business, you're so close to it that you can't see it. Um, So seeing that I think is awesome. And I think as well, like, I think the idea of honing all of the messages that you have down to one, and I particularly, I love how you say, like, do it right. Like, just do it once, do it right, you know, and it it does t- tie back to that sense of your product is a timeless product. It's not, you know, the fast fashion version of renovation. Um, you know, you, you spend a little more and it's going to last a lot longer I think that really kind of resonates with the whole product. So there's not a disconnect between kind of what your marketing saying and then actually what the product does, which I think so often can happen. It's like you've got all the fuss, but you don't have the stuff to back it up. Um, And then I suppose the other part of that that I would love to kind of understand a bit is when you are 
going through this process of you know creating the website and putting all of this branding material together how do you um how do you make sure that it the product does back up what you're saying so you obviously have such you know a long history of manufacturing and all of that kind of stuff and you touched on before about how it's you go back and you look at things and you refine the same collections but how do you make sure those products are what the website is and the branding is saying? Yeah, there's always, the business is always changing. So things yeah. can, um, so you've got to look back on something and say, okay, we now have to up, update our processes on this. Um, but I don't know if I can really speak to that because we've we've built the business the opposite way around where we built the product to be steadfast yeah. and then marketed it. So Yeah, and that's, I think that's, um, I think that's, oh, I think that's most probably a real testament to the quality of business that you have because I think in these days, like our modern days, marketing and sales is such a big part of it kind of thing and the manufacturing and the product itself can sometimes be secondary. And so I think the fact that you you have got the business that's you've had the product and it's almost like you were saying like you needed to shine a light on what you already knew was really good. Um, so, you know, you had that ability to do that which I think is awesome mm -hmm. um so challenges always pop up like with um obviously COVID and then and these yeah. these different phases that that we go through just shake things up a bit and then like oh we've got a we've got a hole here so we've got to patch that up and sort yeah. that section of the business out and and that's just life isn't it it's just yeah. uh, an evolving wheel so yeah. we, we definitely don't have it under control and often you even friends that, that have much bigger businesses than ours that you'd look at and you'd think they've surely got everything under control. It's, it's not the way. It's not the way, guys. It's never the way. <laughs> on that same um, wheel of, you know, this area is now sorted, then there's another patch that needs your attention. And, and that's just that's just the fun of business, right? We just exactly. go, go with the challenges. Exactly. Um, and something actually you just mentioned COVID, you know, big kind of, you know, thing we all went through. How did the fact that you manufacture onshore, how did that mean your COVID played out? Was it better for you? Did you still have the problems of, um, you know, supply issues? Or was it one of the times when you like, our decisions 10, 20 years ago are now paying off here for us now? Mm. It was a bit of both. We still did experience some challenges in terms of our raw material that comes from the earth, which yeah. comes from different countries which is um brass and so we did have delays in that when things weren't being shipped or yeah. out locally um having to bring in that raw material was a big problem for us but as soon as it was here we could make the product but but we were very fortunate that we're we were deemed essential you know melbourne had some of the toughest lockdowns yeah. in the world so we were it was such a blessing that we were um open and coming to work was just a highlight for everybody yeah. uh, just to connect and, and be together. And um, I'd say it was definitely the most disruptive time, even though we've been through, um, you know, tough times in the past, it was the most uh, disruptive time at a time when we were also launching our Lux PVD, um, which is a state-of-the-art facility for coating. Yeah. So we're trying to launch that um, and get that off the ground. Um, and look, standing here today, we, we did it, you know, like many, it wasn't easy, but here we are and we are 
stronger for it. So yeah. we you got to look at these things as a blessing and and um you know we had a great team around us. So that's what that's what got us through. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um okay, let's talk about the product because it's beautiful. Um tell me a little bit about how you go about the kind of making sure that something is timeless, but also that you are still staying relevant, which is, you know, always a bit of a juggle. Um, how do you, how does that process work for Sussex? Yeah, maybe we're a bit guilty of um, <laughs> not being great at that. <laughs> it's, um, you know. it's one of those things that you're working on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think due to the sort of the, the style that the business started, which was super really geometric and, and very clean lines for its time, we thought when we were making these products, you know, would they sell, wouldn't they sell? But yeah. they certainly did. Um and they and they still are. They just they're just that product um that that work in so many different um environments. So for us, I yeah, we choose not to go down certain styles yeah and just keep a super really clean succinct um design ethos for our business um and again I, I believe in keeping a niche I don't want I can't be everything to everyone yeah so it's not something I'm seeking to do and um that's where we keep keep our design super tight and less is more for us yeah so um yeah, just sticking to to our to the origins because you know, just like beautiful jewelry like Cartier relaunched things from the nineteen fifties, um, and are desirable again. You know, our collections have been around 20, 20 odd years and and are still some of our top sellers. So, yeah. so again, things done right. Yeah, me. definitely. And you mentioned um, just then when we were talking about COVID about how you were introduction, introducing new, um, like the finishing techniques. How, you know, I suppose going back to what we were talking about before about the, the strong ethos that you have that run through your business. How do you, because, you know, technology in terms of um, like metal finishes and all that, I'm sure has come a long, long way in the time the business has been around. How do you go about those kind of decisions in terms of, and there is an element of on-trend finishes as well, not just about the style of tap and the design of the tap, but the finish. How do you go about making those kind of decisions? Because I'm guessing there's quite an, a big investment in being able to apply those finishes and um, going down that path. How does that come into your thinking? Yeah, it totally, it totally is. Um, you know, I think the consume, consumer now is so well-educated. Yeah. You know, so many renovation shows on the TV that everybody's uh, feeling quite empowered or knowledgeable to some degree about what's available to them or is, 10 years ago that wasn't the case so um there is that demand for different finishes and we offer I think about around the 30 mark yeah of of various finishes so for example you've got your living finishes yeah you've got your um electroplated finishes but we are transitioning to that PVD finish which is again about longevity um it's a lot more durable and wearable than electroplated which was a traditional way yeah Um, taps were done for example the the taps at my mum's place were gold plated and uh, but electroplating means they are literally dipped in a solution of 24 karat gold plating so 
they've worn off after 10, 15 years that that gold wears off, whereas PVD will not do that. So, so um, yeah, trying to make them as durable as they can be, scratch scratch resistant as possible. And it's actually aerospace technology. It's insane. And every, for example, my iPhone's coated with the, um, it by a PVD machine. So, um, so it's, it's a common coding process. Yeah. Now come into architectural products. So, yeah. And I suppose once again, like we were saying, it actually was most really an easy decision for the business because it, you know, it's, it's it's more like it, it's more it adds more longevity to the product so it's so easily kind of tying back to those um business foundations that you're built on kind of thing so um yeah it, once again I suppose it just highlights the point if you have those strong business foundations then tough decisions can be made very easy that's right which yeah. is almost painful because like oh, we have to do this now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no way of kind of getting out of it no. <laughs> um, and you've obviously had this business in your life, like you were saying, you've been in the business since you, you were 18, but it's obviously been part of your life since you were born. What are some of your favourite parts of the business? Like, what do you love about Sussex Taps? It's so funny, Beth, when, whenever my dad used to get a new machine, you know, he'd invest in a, in a new machinery, whether it's a couple hundred thousand or more, and then we'd we'd get dressed up and on a Saturday we'd come to the factory and my mum would take a photo of us <laughs> with the machine. <laughs> oh, so it's definitely, um, you know, a part of our life growing up in a family business and, and I just loved um, hearing what dad would talk about when he'd come home and... Um, you know, he'd say, to, I was a very shy kid and yeah. teenager and he'd say, he'd say to me, one day you you can run the business. And I just didn't understand like on what planet he was on even <laughs> that. Like it was just so bizarre to me that he thought that of yeah. me. But now it's just, yeah, it just really makes me happy when I, when I remember that. But um, yeah, it's, um, it is, it's like another baby. And now I've got four yeah. kids in the business. It's li literally like another child. It, it, it's it's complained sometimes it's good sometimes you love it sometimes you don't um all the joys so yeah it's very much a part of my life and and um a part of who I am as well so I'm just thrilled that I can continue manufacturing and, and I do realize that it's a special industry to be a part of and and I'm just happy that I've been able to find my place because for some time it did take me a bit of time after dad passed away to work out how I was going to add value because it was not a business I had started, but yeah. obviously his legacy, I was not going to let it go. So, yeah. Um, something else I'd love to get your take on because when we think of manufacturing, we think of it being a male dominated industry. And how have you found that? as a woman working in the industry and a woman that's kind of the head of the company, how have you found that? How have you navigated that? Mm. Um, um, for me, it's never been a uh, something that's ever provided any type of roadblock. Yeah. Uh, so I've got the most incredible team around me. My husband's so super supportive of me and he, he highly values the, you know, an approach as a female, we've got perhaps yeah. a less, maybe a more softer approach or a more yeah. heart-centered. I certainly come from that space. So yeah. when, I, when, when I make decisions, I'm very lucky. I've got the most amazing team around me 
men and women that that are super supportive and and um and can see the value in a softer angle or a, or a different angle yeah that's um, awesome. yeah that that might be traditionally the the case in a, in a manufacturing business so it's yeah. been an advantage for me yeah and and the business and I, and I think it was a perfect time for me to come in and and um and add that value at that time which now as I mature I I I can recognize and say yeah. yes did good girl (laughs) (laughs) I love that I love that and I think that's so I think it's so refreshing to hear stories of women in what we would traditionally think of male-dominated industries that it isn't hard it isn't there hasn't been roadblocks there hasn't been you know there's always bad days at the office but where it hasn't been this massive thing that you've got to get through because um, I think sometimes, you know, I know in our industry, like interior designers, you know, we're mostly female, um, but you go onto a building site and it can be a very male-dominated um, work environment and it's not always the most pleasant experience. And so I think the more we hear about stories of women doing roles in male-dominated industries that are positive, I think is really great. And I think the more we hear it, the better it is. So tell me, what are a couple of things I should be looking out for that are kind of coming in the works in new designs and maybe innovations into tapware? Yeah, there's some great things um, coming through, Beth, in terms of the focus on the health of the product, because I guess we can all take products that we buy for granted, like what goes into the metals of your tap, right? Your yeah. water is running through that and you are drinking that every single day and you're giving yeah. that to your children. So there's going to be some great improvements coming through regulatory bodies on that. That's and awesome. Yeah, and, and I, I'm personally working on focusing on the health of the yeah. water itself. And um, I, so- think, I think that's great because I see that more and more with clients, like they're a bit more aware of these things and they're wanting more and they're kind of probing around water filtration and all of that kind of stuff and so I think that's really exciting because you know there's I don't think it's some an area that we've necessarily had that much advancement in or change like you know we've all had the you know the little filter tap on the side of the sink and um, so yeah that's really exciting to hear that that's coming along is that side of that like R&D research and development, is that something that you love to get involved in? I do, yes, and, and um, I'm, I'm passionate about that. So tell me, what are you looking forward to um, in your business in the next 12 months? In the next 12 months, I'm looking forward to a fantastic sales manager joining my team. I'm putting it out there to the universe. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, we're just developing the floor plan for, for the factory next door. So we're moving half of our facility here next door. So that's exciting as well as some new product, um, that I'm hoping to launch in 2024 and, um, events and tours, factory tours. We love hosting industry for architects, interior designers. We love hosting all of that as well, as well as, um, doing some CPD points through the Australian um, um, Institute of Architects. Yeah. So lots of exciting things happening. Tell me a little bit. I'm just going to like 
press you here. Tell me a little bit about a factory tour. What could a designer expect to see if they do a factory tour with you? Yeah, look, we love opening up our doors and, and having people through from the industry. Um, so we we host factory tours across two of our sites. And um, you can come through and have a look at everything we do from the way a raw material, a raw bar comes in, um, the way it's polished, made on the machine, then polished, and goes through step-by-step step to the finished product. So we love showing people through. And people are, and you know, they're fascinated by, by seeing how much truly goes into making a product. Yeah. Because it's easy to take for granted when it's all shiny and comes out yeah, of the box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. much behind the scenes happens. And we offer those. We're going to be launching that on our website where you can um, register to attend one. So I'm hoping to have that up and working on the website in the next coming months. Uh, otherwise, you can reach out to our lovely team to organise. If you've got a group of eight or more, often we have groups come through, which is fantastic. Um, but, yeah, that's how we, we love to welcome students as well through. So yeah. we're I, think that's, I think that's so awesome that you offer that. I think it really shows the commitment that Sussex has to the industry because it is a two-way relationship. Um, so I think that's awesome. And... Tell me, how can our community reach out and find more about what Sussex does? Well, uh, Beth, I guess the usual, we've got uh, Instagram and we've also got newsletters that we send out every six weeks or so. Yep. And you can register for that on our website. Otherwise, our Instagram, Sussex Taps. Um, that's where usually up, all are up to date and often I'll do little videos on finishes, you know, beautiful spread yep. of our finishes that are about to go out to somebody um so that's the best way Beth awesome we will link to all of that in our show notes um thank you so much Vanessa I have really enjoyed this chat and I, as I said I was really excited to have it and I'm so glad we have so thank you so much Vanessa thank you so much Beth it was my pleasure thank you I really enjoyed that chat with Vanessa so many points stood out to me as key takeaways, but one of the main ones was about those strong principles that they have in the business and how they run so deep that decision-making is just so straightforward and things that might be a difficult decision due to financial restraints or other factors just you don't need to waste time on them you don't need to really think about them they are just it's a such a clear yes or no and I think for a brand that is so important because it really helps your customers know straight away what you are who what you stand for and whether or not they want to work with you and as interior designers, I think that is such an important thing to be clear about. I think being clear on that and making sure that is clear throughout all of your messaging, just it makes you stand out from your competition and it gives your potential clients just that really clear picture of who you are and what you stand for. So I think um, if you haven't had a look at the Sussex Taps website, I encourage you to go and do it. It is 
just a real masterclass in messaging around a brand and messaging what the company stands for. So I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Design Dialogues podcast and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this Design Dialogue. I hope you have found it full of inspiration and helpful information to take into your design studio. If you like the podcast and want to hear more, consider sharing it or writing a review as it helps us reach more people and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to unlock the power of effortless studio management and elevate your design business to new heights, please follow the links in our show notes to see how more time to design can help you build a better business. Have a great week and I will see you for our next design dialogue.